Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. So I had no intention really of putting another podcast out this year, and I know I had one just very recently. But I was thinking about Galaxy's Edge and the whole Star Cruiser that they've created, and it got me to thinking that I wanted to say a few words about it. So you get a bonus episode. For the, before the end of the year. Hey, bonus, right? It's a good thing. So I wanted to say a few words about the whole Star Wars and Disney thing. It's a very strange sort of thing that's happening with Disney. It's, it's kind of like when they put the right people in charge of thinking about their property, they get some really good content. So, for example, The Mandalorian is a fantastic show. It's really well done, really well thought out, and I think it fits into the Star Wars lore really well. And if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen the uh, Bad Batch, which came out since Disney acquired the uh, the property, um, it's a animated series about some clone troopers that are rogue clone tr- clone troopers in that period between like episode three and episode four, and it kind of fills in some storylines there. So it's actually very clever and very creative, and I think it does a nice job of again filling in some storylines. And I think those are really good. And there are some other good things that come out. It's just those are the two that stand out to me. And it's really interesting that they can do that right. And even the way they themed Batu, the uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, that's themed really well. And I think they did a really nice job of sort of capturing sort of the feeling of Star Wars to a large degree, even though it's not really Star Wars. And that's what I'm going to talk about in a second. But they did a nice job of kind of capturing sort of what it feels like. And so that's pretty clever. I think it's, you know, it's very nice that way in that sense. And it's got that certain feeling to it. So... There's some good, but then there's some oddities where it feels like they just don't know what Star Wars is. And when you look at episodes seven, eight, nine, they're throwaway. There's there's nothing about them that really screams Star Wars where you feel like that's really amazing. And then even in the way that they put Galaxy's Edge in, feels a little haphazard in a way. So the story goes that they originally had in mind to put a different version of Galaxy's Edge, a different themed area so it would be a different planet you're on in each of the Disney parks. So if you went to a different Disney park, you would be on a different planet, basically. But I'm assuming because of cost, they decided to keep them all the same. So they're all Batu. No matter which park you go to, it's Batu. And so they lose a little bit of the essence of what they had in mind. Now, what they have there is still a little limited. You know, you have the Smuggler's Run, which is okay. It's a little motion simulator, whatever. You have... Um, what looks like a really cool attraction in Rise of the Resistance, though I guess it has some technical limitations and whatever, and you know because of the way they're doing the lightning lane on it and whatever, I may never get to ride it unless I'm willing to pay the extra $15 to go on it, which is fine. You know, that's another, another discussion. But it's kind of weird, and you know the way they have it laid out is strange too because they already had Tatooine Traders and Star Tours on one corner of the park. 
and they didn't put this right next to it or add a way to kind of come right from one to the other, one to the other, so you could kind of thematically continue your story. They separated them out, so it's two separate and distinct places. You have the uh, Star Wars-themed land that's Galaxy's Edge in one area, and then over in another area, you have the Tatooine Traders and Star Tours, and it, they don't feel like they're connected at all. And you could make the case that they shouldn't be connected because they're from different story arcs, right? It's you know, seven, eight, nine is supposed to be represented by Galaxy's Edge, and then the uh, uh, Star Tours is really uh, from the original trilogy. So you can make the case they shouldn't be connected, but yet they are in a way because they're all Star Wars. And it seems like they could have come up with a clever way to kind of combine them and have the flow work so that you could go from right from one to the other without having had having to go through like the Muppets themed land sort of to get there. I mean, you can kind of go around it, but just weird the way they do it. At Disneyland, it's a similar sort of thing. It's sort of separated from Star Tours and it's just awkward the way they have it laid out. It's kind of weird. And so it's almost like Disney didn't think it through completely. And because the way the attractions work and sort of the way it's laid out, you have this sort of distanced sort of thing that's happening. So you see things happening. You see Chewbacca there once in a while. Once in a while, Kylo Ren makes an appearance and walks through. There's some clone troopers that are there. I guess they're first order troopers, excuse me, um, that are there. And they, they sort of interact from a distance, but they don't, you know, there's no autograph areas. There's no place to take a picture, really. It, does, it feels like it's sort of disconnected. And what they're really selling is the droid shop and the, uh, the lightsaber building. You know, these add-ons, these things that, were, that, that cost you money. And it feels like that's just, it feels like a cash grab in a way. And it, it's missing something. It's missing that nuanced piece where you feel like you're part of it, where you actually can go up and meet some of these characters, or you can be part of an adventure. And so that's, that's the piece that I think is missing. Now, back to the thing about episodes four, uh, the original trilogy, the episodes four, five, and six being uh, over in Star Tours. And so they talk about the Mandalorian is really, really popular right now. And so there's talk about, and it is just chatter, rumor at this point, I have no idea if it's actually true, the possibility that the Mandalorian and Grogu, aka Baby Yoda, will make an appearance somewhere over in Galaxy's Edge. Wait a second. Hold on. I realize they're popular properties, but they are from a different timeline. They are from, be from between episodes three and four. That's where this storyline, that story arc takes place. So to have them in with characters like Kylo Ren in episodes seven, eight, and nine just destroys what you did with making Star Tours in a different place. Now, if they put them over by Star Tours, okay, I guess I could see that. Maybe they could build an area over there where they could have them in the park somewhere. But it just feels weird, right? Because they're talking about the possibility of marketing and merchandising on their big products, right? This is a, The Mandalorian has been a great, great success. And then Boba Fett story is coming, and there's some other stories that are coming that are in that genre, right? In that time period. They don't really fit within 7, 8, and 9. They're much earlier. And if they do them right, they'll be really successful. But they don't fit within the other stuff they already have in the park. So how do you make them fit? How do you push everything together? Well, if you don't know what you're doing with Star Wars and you just say, hey, it's Star Wars, who cares? And you mash it together, then you could make it work. But then it loses something. It just feels kind of weird. It feels sort of disconnected in a way. And that leads me around to talking about the Star Cruiser. When I first heard that they were going to make a themed sort of hotel where you were embedded in a part of a story in the Star Wars land, in the Star Wars world, universe, if you will, it felt like that's really cool. 
I am so excited about this. And I talked to a couple of friends of mine and we were all jazzed. This is a great idea. What a, what a tremendously fun idea. You could be part of something. You could join some par- portion of it. You could, be a, you could be a Sith or a First Order or whatever the appropriate group would be. Or you could be um, some sort of an, um, a, a member of the, uh, the, re- the Rebellion or the Alliance or whatever the group is there that's on the other side, the goods versus evils, right? And you could join the storyline or you could be a mercenary and be in somewhere else. And it just seems so cool. And the hotel was going to be part of the storyline in some way. Conceptually, sounded so fantastic. My friends and I were all talking about, can't wait to go, looking forward to it, can't wait to see what they come up with because this is Disney and they'll do something really cool. Then we started hearing about, it's going to be a galactic star cruiser where you're gonna be in space, essentially and going around to see different planets or whatever. Okay, maybe it takes a little of the luster off, but still could be done well. You know, means that you could be going somewhere else, right? So that the story could be interesting. And then you start hearing about, well, the price point is gonna be in the $1,000 range a night per person, and you go, huh, that's starting to move out of my price range, but still could be really cool. Then they finally announce that they're, they've got it ready, they're, gonna, they're going to start booking vacations, and they're gonna open in March of 2022 for the first uh, journey. And the cost is going to be $6,000 to start. And you go, wait a minute, how did that just happen? And now that moved out of my price range. It just moved so far beyond. You're putting it in an elite category. And suddenly that's a much more, less accessible thing to most people. But the concept still sounds cool. If they make it work, this could be great. And then they started releasing concept art. And in the concept art, you go, well, that doesn't look so exciting. You know, there's nothing about that that seems really, really compelling. Then they released a video where they went on a sort of a tour of the, uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser and they showed you what was inside and they showed you how it looked and kind of how it came together. And the video was completely underwhelming. The acting seemed forced. And I heard someone say something along the lines of, this feels like um, the Star Wars holiday special that they made back in the 70s. And yeah, I'd agree. I watched the video and I was like, wow, this doesn't really sell itself as being something that's so completely Star Wars. There's nothing about it where I'm feeling like it it really is something I want to see. And they kind of just told you generally what it's going to be like. Now, they did give you some, some things about how it's going to be. You'll be on the Star Cruiser. You'll be in an adventure. You can go to the bridge. You can check it out. And they showed you the bridge and the bridge didn't feel very Star Wars either. It was kind of like, okay. And the way they were showing it, it looked kind of like Smuggler's Run, where you're in this bridge and you're shooting at TIE fighters that are coming at you. Okay, that's great, but what about something interesting? And you go to hyperspace at some point or something. And then they said, oh, we want you to spend time in the lounge and we want you to do these other things, you know, we want you to interact with people and characters and things like that. And you go, okay, you know, that could be cool. You know, it seems like that could still fit in a way. That could be okay. But then you started to see more. And you hear more, and you start to see more still photos and more things, and you start to think, this isn't quite Star Wars. It's not maybe horrible, but it's not quite right either. It doesn't, it lacks something. And then as they got to the 90-day window for the first group of guests who were going to be staying there, they put out a, a video to those guests to welcome them to, welcome them to the Star Cruiser. And this, the video was just weird. It was some cruise director telling you about the story of what you're going to be doing and being on this cruise and they want you to interact and this, that, the other thing. And you go, 
that doesn't sound very good. And it, it feels like it's, you know, it's a bad transmission. You know, it's edited in a way where it looks like it's bad or it's being, you know, it's being diverted somehow. So it, you know, it kind of fades in and out. It's kind of weird, right? Like they're setting up a storyline. And then she reads some disclaimer at the end that they're not responsible should pirates take over or something, right? Something along those lines. And as I'm listening to it and watching it, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so they're building a bigger storyline. That's part of the point here. They want to build a bigger story arc, something that's going to be a little more interesting and compelling for people, right? It's not just about this tour and taking this cruise. It's more than that. And then you start to think about what it is. You go, okay, so it's a two-day cruise or three-day three three cruise, two nights, three days, I think it is. And you're on this uh, Star Cruiser. And the way it seems to be netting out is that you have an itinerary where you have very specific things that you're doing at very specific times with a group of people that are, you know, in your wing or whatever, right? That'll, they'll bring down to do certain things with. And so you have a very predefined time where you're going to be doing some activity or you're going to the lounge or you've got this free time, but they don't want you in your room. And then you've got some predetermined time that you're going to go uh, into uh, Batu and Galaxy's Edge. And you're going to be there for some period of time. And I guess it includes a ride on Rise of the Resistance. So my take would be, my guess would be, my assumption would be that somehow or other, the First Order is going to attack your ship. They're going to take you prisoner and you're going to wind up in, in, uh, in the Rise of the Resistance ride. And somehow or other, that's where, you know, that's where it all culminates for you. Now, you may have a storyline that you're trying to complete and things you're trying to do along the way, but it doesn't seem clear that that's going to happen. So it's kind of like, well, okay, this could be good, but it feels kind of constrained in a way because they're telling you, you know, they want to create the storyline for you, this immersive storyline. Okay, if it works, that's great. Now, a couple of other things that we heard about. They want to have a lot of character interactions. They've hired a lot of cast members to come and dress as characters and be in the lounges and be different places so you'll interact with them. And they'll create atmosphere and story points for you to help move your story along, right? So if you're on the Sith side or the, the dark side, um, or you're on the good side with the uh, some sort of alliance or rebels or whatever, you'll be doing something else. If you're a rogue, you know, you'll have some other interactions. I guess they'll figure a way to, they have a way to, to tag you so that they know to, who to send after you. But you're supposed to have these interactions in different places. And while that sounds moderately cool, could be, you know, now you're dealing with a lot of cast members who have to stay in character and do these things repeatedly throughout time. And sometimes people are good at that and sometimes they're not. And we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So I'm not sure exactly how character interactions will work. Because for now, at least, Disney is still telling you that masks have to stay on indoors. So how do you have these character interactions and different things going on if you're wearing masks and they're wearing masks? How do you, how do, you do that and make it immersive and make it feel like something for $6,000? <laughs> it just feels like there's something odd about that. So that's, uh, that was one thing. Um, a second thing was they talked about they want to have this, they have this really cool uh, retractable lightsaber that they're going to show you on the voyage. And they're going to do some lightsaber training along the way. Now, I've heard conflicting stories about how this all works. So the lightsaber itself is actually a cool piece of technology. It's like a, it's almost like a, uh, a tape measure with the metal tape measure where you pull it out and it retracts. So that's kind of how the retracting thing works, the mechanism works. So it's kind of cool. And they put, they've managed to put some light around it so it actually looks like it's inside a, 
uh, I guess it's inside a tube or something that expands out. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but somehow it's something like that. It might, might just be that the whole thing is retractable that way, but it expands out and goes up and they have a light on it. So it looks like a lightsaber. Now word is they only can do one direction. They can't do both ways up and down. And also that the, only the cast members will be handling that particular lightsaber because it's kind of delicate and, you know, the mechanism is not <clears throat> really ready for primetime use for everybody to touch. So that part of it, you know, is sort of off limits to guess. But you'll get to see it, which is cool. I've seen videos of it and it looks pretty cool. I think that's pretty neat. Then they'll have this other thing where you're going to be doing some lightsaber training where they give you a lightsaber and they're going to be shooting like... Um, you know, lasers at you and you have to kind of deflect them. Now, this was based on a patent that they had come up with some years ago uh, where they talked about having some sort of mechanism to be able to have love life, live lightsaber without wearing VR goggles. So in concept, it's really cool. The problem is the way they set it up, it's set up more like a photo opportunity than it is like a, an actual uh, sort of lightsaber training. It feels like it's missing sort of the meaning of lightsabers. And if you want to get into the Star Wars lore, why would everyone, including people who are going to the Sith side, want to, why would they have everyone getting lightsaber training? You know, in the Star Wars scheme of things, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Because being a Jedi is something sort of special. You're supposed to be a unique individual. So having everyone go through some sort of lightsaber training just doesn't feel quite right. It doesn't feel like it belongs to the storyline in that sense. Okay. You know, again, sort of missing the point of what the story is. And then there was one other thing that I wanted to mention, and that has to do with the fact that they are telling you that they don't want you to have any uh, personal devices while you're on your cruise because it's supposed to be a relaxing cruise and you're not supposed to have your phone and your, your video camera and these other things with you. So for most of the cruise, they're going to ask you to lock those up so you're not taking pictures of anything. And they don't want pictures and videos to, to leak out about some of the storyline. And I'm assuming that's because part of the storyline is exciting and they want to make it a surprise to the next guest and they don't want to give everything away. So you can tell about it, but you, they don't want you showing videos and pictures of it because there's, there's going to be some twist or something that happens. So I get that. And that makes sense to me to a point, but it feels strange that they're saying, you know, you need to lock up your equipment. We don't want any photos and videos coming out. And I don't know what the terms and conditions are of you staying there. It may be very specific that if you do that, you know, they can do, you know, they can come after you in some way. Who knows? But it's kind of weird that, they're, that they've set it up that way. And you kind of have to stop and think, wow, how is that going to work? And then they talked about uh, they'll have some photographers and some videographers there capturing some of your moments so that you can purchase them later. Wait, I just spent $6,000 and just get videos and pictures. I have to spend more? Uh, what? Um, it just strikes me as one of those things that you kind of go, wait, how does that work exactly? It may, again, it may work out. It may be fine. But it just feels very strange that they're doing that sort of a thing as they set this whole process up. Now, one of the things that happened shortly after they uh, started releasing some of these videos and some of this information about it, you started hearing about the, the possibility that people had canceled their reservations for it, that people were canceling in droves. Now, I'm not convinced that they're actually canceling. Uh, cast members were saying that they were booked up from basically the day it opened until September. There was like limited days that were available in between there, but mostly it was booked up. And if you went online to try and look for it, there was no availability. And now when you go online, you see a lot of availability. And I'm not sure if this is actually Disney trying to generate interest by having left some dates off the calendar previously, so you only had certain dates available, 
And now they're bringing back, putting in those dates after they've produced all this hype to try and get people engaged and want to come. Or if people are actually canceling, or if it's a combination of both. I can't tell. I really can't parse it right now in my head. I just, I'm looking at it and I'm going, I'm not sure which way this works. But it certainly feels like there's something more going on. And it could just be that Disney is playing a game here. It could also be that people said, you know what, I'm spending a lot of money to do this and it doesn't look that cool. Now, there was one other thing I wanted to point out, and I didn't mention this specifically, and that has to do with the rooms themselves. The rooms that they're showing us are kind of spartan. They're, you know, they're like little hotel rooms that you might expect to see on a cruise ship, right? Or, a, or on a, a galactic star cruiser. Um, where you have these rooms that are sort of not that well-themed, not that well-thought-out. They're sort of you know, cheesy-looking in a way. But one of the things they made clear was they want people to spend as little time in the room as possible. So if they put fewer amenities in the room and make it less interesting to people, they will want to go and do the other activities, whether it's going to the club or whether it's going to the, you know, these events or these different things. So you're a part of the whole experience and you only go back there to sleep for a little while. So if that's the case, then I guess I get it. But it does seem like they're kind of cheesy in a way. Like they're not that well-themed. They feel like they're just sort of there. And so you would hope that they have some thought to that, that there's some reason for it. You know, these are like Spartan living quarters. They're cute, but they're kind of Spartan. So I kind of look at the whole thing and I go, does Disney really know what Star Wars is? And do they care about their guest experience or are they only in it for money and saying, hey, we're going to provide you the best experience we can possibly provide you if you can afford it? Maybe it turns out to be a great experience. I guess we'll know more in a couple of months. But for now, at least, since we've seen all these videos and all these things coming out, you have to wonder what it's going to be and how it's going to work out. And at the moment, I'm very skeptical. I'm thinking to myself, this is just looks totally silly. It looks like a total cash grab for just something that says Star Wars, but isn't Star Wars. It's like licensing out a brand to somebody who doesn't know what the brand is, right? And they just, they just take it and they run with it, but they don't know what they're, what they're building. It feels like they've done that to a large degree. Like, you know, there was no feels like there was no thought put into it now there probably was a lot of thought put into it but who knows you know who knows how this comes together who knows how it plays out for now at least i'm a little skeptical i'm a little suspicious but we'll see in a couple of months we'll know more now i don't think i'm ever going to get to experience it i think uh, the price point is just too high too rich for my blood can't make it that way now i know that they had invited some podcasters bloggers video people to come and take part in a, one of the previews and so they can show them part of the experience at least so they can see it. Uh, I was not invited to that. It's totally okay with me, but it feels like, you know, it, I'd be curious to see what they say when they see it, you know, when they actually see it firsthand and when the first set of guests go through it, what they have to say. I'm kind of curious what it all, how it all comes out. And by the way, if any of you have an experience booked, a vacation book there, and you want to come on my podcast and talk about it, I'm happy to have you on. If you know somebody that did, let me know. I'm you know, happy to reach out and see if somebody has some interesting story to tell about the whole experience. I know it's a few months off, but just keep that in mind if you uh, hear from somebody. So there you go. That's my story about Star Wars and the Star Wars themed land and how it feels like it's coming together for at this point from my perspective and how the Galaxy Cruiser feels like it's coming together or not coming together but I guess we'll see in a couple of months. They have a couple of months to try and correct the course and make sure that it comes together well enough for people to say it was worth the experience as opposed to going, what did I just spend my money on? So stay tuned. We'll know more. 
And uh, that's going to be my last podcast for the year. And I hope you have a great and happy new year. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart (laughs) of all creation. Right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. My question to you, dear listener, is when did we become so objectively anti-science? When did we reject some of the things that we could easily study, research, appreciate, and become something that a society that really listens to our crazy Uncle Joe or reads something on the internet posted by a celebrity who has no working knowledge of this or who just is trying to sell their product? And when did we become that and step away from science and understanding the world and just believing in scientists and understanding them and then trying to politicize them to say, hey, they're wrong because blah, blah, blah. It doesn't fit the worldview. How did we become that? When did we get out of this idea of actually respecting science and the scientific principles of really just looking at the world and going, you know, there's some important things in the world. There's some understanding, some basic, basic understandings that are out there. Like the virus, a virus propagates a certain way. Certainly researchers and medical people understand how that works and can really look into it. You can't just throw it out there and go, oh, we, you know, we believe that this whole thing is a hoax because people are dying, getting sick at an alarming rate and we're, we're just sitting there shaking our head. And the vaccine is available and you know, people say, oh, it was a rush to a vaccine. And no, it wasn't. That's just what you're being told. And then other people are being sold a bill of goods. You can get away with you know, not getting a vaccine and you can avoid getting the virus just by doing these things and paying me $50 to understand how this works, my secret formula for how this works. And there's no science behind that. There's nothing behind it but somebody making money. But they do it in a way where they sound like they know what they're talking about. And they've caught you in this sort of social cycle of, hey, you know, I'm, I'm famous, so therefore I must know what I'm talking about. And they bring in other famous, famous people who also have no knowledge, or maybe someone else who's quote-unquote a discredited scientist and, you know, have them come on and talk about something. You know, and this goes back to the days of vaccines where, you know, there was this story that vaccines caused autism. And it turns out that the basis for that story was one researcher studying 12 kids in one hospital in England and actually taking the data and manipulating it before he even presented his results. So it was totally bogus. Everything about it was bogus. But that didn't stop people from saying, oh my God, that's what happens. And then using that and letting it propagate through the world. And then there were some celebrities who stood up and say, no, this causes autism and that's all there is to it. And then people bought into it. Why? There was no science behind it. There was nothing that supports that theory. Nothing. And yet people just go, yeah, that's got to be right. And this is what's wrong with us as a society. You know, you look at um, climate change. And again, I've talked about climate change in the past and how it impacts a lot of things in the world. And there is some climatological difference that's happening on on this earth. You look at some of the things that have happened in recent months in terms of devastating weather. And you realize there's a lot more happening here. And we should be seeking to understand it to follow through with it instead of just saying, oh, there's no such thing as climate change. (laughs) As I've said in the past, we only have a couple of hundred years of reliable data about the earth. And then we can use some scientific principles to understand what happened in the past based on rock formations and other things and carbon dating and, you know, all kinds of scientific principles that most people 
generally wouldn't understand, we can use that to our advantage to understand what the past looked like to a large degree, but we still don't know the specifics. So for 200 years or so, we've got some good data and we're using it and it shows some sort of a change. Now, what are we gonna do about it? Are we just gonna idly sit by and go, yeah, that's nice, the earth is the earth and you know we have our seasons and whatever. Or are we gonna actually invest in it and try and make a difference, make a change and make something happen? That's the big question. And because we don't believe in science and we don't believe in principles and we don't listen to the research and the studies and the things that we're being told, we just say, oh, I know better, we have a problem. And it's a huge problem, and it's just getting bigger. That gap is widening between scientific principle and understanding what's happening in the world. It just keeps getting deeper and deeper and you know, bigger chasm there where we don't understand science anymore and we don't appreciate it. And it's kind of a problem. It's not just kind of a problem, it is a problem. Because now it permeates through society and all sorts of different things. So at what point did we become so anti-science that we can't listen to anything? We just believe whatever noise is out there, whoever's speaking the loudest must be right. Or that person was saying something that fits my worldview, so that's good enough for me. When did we become that? And how do we get over it? And i just like to encourage you to think a little bit about how you can help make a change and help people think a little differently by presenting different points of view and just suggesting that, you know, sometimes when you hear something, you hear somebody say something and you go, does that pass the sniff test? Can I logically say that that would make sense? Well, let's suppose for a minute it does. Then we could take the moment and say, let's follow the money. Who's saying it and where, how do they benefit from it? Because most likely there's some sort of a financial benefit for somebody to say something like that. What's the, you know, I'm selling my product or it's going to, it's going to be an investment in something that I, I'm personally uh, engaged in. If it's a celebrity saying something, it may be about likes and you know, some of these things where they're, they're, they've got their following and they're, they've got a certain amount of uh, advertising they're doing or selling their product where there's more to it. So that's all I wanted to share with you. I just wanted to suggest that you take some time and think about when you hear somebody saying something that seems very contrary, how do you approach it and how can we help make the world a little bit better place? And that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 